Welcome to the Good Fight Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 5, and today we're going to talk about some uh, some conservative essentials, some kind of basic principles of, of conservatism or conservative thought uh, that kind of help and guide and, and uh, are advocating for uh, why this is a, a pretty good way to sustain uh, the kind of freedom that we've enjoyed and improve it. Well, I'm, I'm sure excited to get into it. Uh, I do believe a lot of the fundamental essentials of conservatism have been lost throughout, you know, you could make a case for, you know, different periods of years, but um, there's just been a few things lost and it'd be good to get reminded of that. And uh, just like how you said, we can continue to secure that freedom. Yeah. Uh, There's some really good resources we hope you'll check out. And by the way, thank you for uh, the feedback that we are starting to get and keep it coming because we want to keep, make it practical and useful. And, you know, really there's no way we can cover these topics completely in an episode, but we want to just kind of pique your interest and give you some uh, some resources for your further reading. So uh, s- uh, some of this comes from a book called We Still Hold These Truths um, by Matt Spaulding, uh, another one by Jim DeMint uh, about conservative knowing what to keep, and then uh, 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 Russell Kirk, 10 Conservative Principles. So we are uh, we're looking forward to that, and we hope that you will enjoy, and uh, it'll give you some lots of food for thought, and kind of some things to pin some of your own ideas on. So we'll be back in a second to dig in. And we are back, and we're going to first start off. Uh, talking about liberty, and I know we kind of went over that uh, last episode, um, but just uh, as we uh, get into it, I just looked up the definition of liberty to see what Google would bring up, and I, and I like the definition, so I'm going to share it. So this is what Google has to say. Liberty is the state of being free within society from oppressive restrictions imposed by authority on one's way of life, behavior, or political views, and and end quote. Now that, for Google, is pretty good, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I agree. Not bad, uh, not bad at all. And, and so uh, I, I like the, one of the things in my research that point out that their liberty and freedom are kind of used synonymously, but that liberty has kind of a more human type of nuance to it, like being at liberty to do something. Uh, is you don't really talk about animals that way because they're not really to really able to 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 volitionally choose things. So I kind of like that that uh, being able to have liberty is being able to to exercise uh, your personal choices uh, in a, in a wise way. Yeah, and I know I mentioned it last episode, but it's you know we live in a special place on planet Earth to be able to exercise that, and not everywhere has that, and it's. Just that important reminder that freedom, uh, freedom is special, and it's obviously not exercised everywhere. So we're we're blessed to live here where we are. And it, and it bears repeating that, uh, and I'll uh, I'll give this quote that uh, in the American tradition, liberty was never understood to mean doing anything and everything but came with duties and obligations appropriate for human self-government. So, in other words, I'm not just, I'm not free to do anything I want. I'm free to do the right thing, and uh, according to my conscience. Yeah, and that, that's fundamental as well. Yeah. Um, so, the next one, 
we're good to move on. Yeah, there there are ten of these, by the way. We're going to yeah. cover five this segment, and then uh, the other five in, in a minute. Okay. Well, th- the next one is equality. You know, coming from the Declaration and the idea of equality that all men are created equal, as it was in the Declaration. That was really the first time in the history of the world, at least that we know of, on paper, that that uh, idea was set into place that all men are created equal not just a set group of men but all men endowed by our and given those given rights by uh our creator so that's special yeah and i i I really like how uh you know we we need to qualify that because uh we are hearing a lot about equality uh, and, and we definitely agree that uh our we are equal in our standing before god uh, that we are all created equal before Him, and He loves us equally, and uh, will uh, will judge us with perfect uh, with perfect equality uh, based on His standards. Uh, we're we're equal in terms of our innate value and in ter- as as humans, every human, and that we want equality of opportunity for everybody, and not have one person individually or a group of people holding down another group of people just because they're part of that group. Uh, where we run into trouble is where we ran into this, I ran into this in the school system, talking about equality of outcomes. And so having to engineering society so that everybody's outcome is the same. Everybody owns the same stuff, has the same amount of money, has the same income, uh, scores the same on the test. And uh, that's a very problematic uh, uh, misuse of the word equality, in my opinion. Yeah, it definitely is, and I think you can see that in numerous examples uh, within politics today, which is unfortunate, but it's relevant. So yeah. So um, anyway, mo- moving on, the the uh, the third one is natural rights, and so uh, and and that I think is a way of of saying this. Uh, another way to say it would be God given rights. And it kind of goes back to our uh, talking about faith last week, uh, faith of some kind, and that for us as Christians, we definitely believe that uh, those rights come from the Creator God of the Bible. Uh, and yet, just as we seek to uh, unify around our, our liberty, uh, we, we can say natural rights, but it really is the same thing, that we are endowed by our Creator with these rights, that God uh, God gave us the rights. It's not government's job to grant those rights, to either give them or take them away. Right. And, I mean, part of the government's job in that is to secure them, uh, to make sure that people do have the freedom to exercise those rights. And that's really the only part that government can and should play in unalienable rights. Yeah. And uh, once again, time doesn't allow us to really talk about all that. It's a whole other uh, episode and subject maybe about uh, what really are our rights and what aren't. Uh, you know, I, I, the Declaration really laid it out about life and liberty and what they put as the pursuit of happiness. Uh, I think another propos- uh, proposal for that concept was property. 
So when we talk about private property later, uh, that uh, maybe or free enterprise or that kind of thing. But I think those are very solidly inalienable rights. Uh, when we talk about invented rights, like a right to privacy um, that is used to, uh, to, to, to justify something, that, that gets problematic too. I think you alluded to it, but it's interesting that the pursuit of happiness in the first draft was actually property, and they changed it to the pursuit of happiness. So I think that you were alluding to that, but it's just interesting to note. Yeah, Yeah, and it's interesting, the stuff that did get changed uh, about that, and we're going to do a a segment at some point about uh, why is the Constitution so special, or or what's all this big deal about the Constitution, and uh, that's just the process by uh, that it came together is pretty interesting yeah uh, so finally in this uh oh no we've got two more in this segment consent of the governed and that uh, uh that whole business we you know we like to talk about taxation without representation but the idea of representative government that, that we it's we the people and that that is very important and those three words are are so important for us to remember uh, when we uh, when we see our our leaders uh, overstepping their their legal bounds and seeking to do things just because they feel like it or because it feels good to some people. Um, uh, but there are there is definitely limits to people's uh, uh, authority in office, and that it's the consent of the government that grants them that in the first place. Yeah, and and that's why voting is so important that everybody participates because this is our government uh, you know run by the people supposedly uh, <laughs> but um, you know that's we, we got to hold up our responsibility as well we got to vote in not just in the presidential elections but you know uh, the city council the school board you know the, everything uh, under the umbrella of that we have to participate uh, to really uh, uh, exercise this way of government that in my mind is the best in the world yeah and i hadn't really put it together until just now but this this really is a good uh uh rallying point for election integrity uh because uh if if the vote is is tainted and if if uh, people are voting who shouldn't be voting or illegal votes are being cast uh, then that throws uh, this whole concept uh, into great uh, disrepair. And it really is worth all of us thinking about how we can best uh, assure that that there is election integrity too. Yeah, no, that's right. And just we'll go on to the last one. This one, this segment is running a little long. So we'll, the last one, or the fifth one, I should say, is religious freedom. Uh, and... Uh, obviously, this is so important to us, but uh, e- even uh, in uh, the mid 1800s, uh, you know, with the Second Great Awakening and the slaves being able to exercise their religious freedom, that's what kind of got the wheels turning on uh, the Civil War and eventually slaves getting their freedom. Uh, that was, you know, from re- their right of religious freedom. So that's in- interesting to note as well. Yeah, I'll just say, I mean, it cuts in all directions. And again, for us as Christians, uh, we need to try to afford the same religious freedom to others as long as the our, our fellow uh, citizens are 
are, are appreciative of the liberty that we have to even disagree about some of that stuff and yet come together to protect that liberty and be unified around the founding principles and uh, in, in awe of the, the liberty and freedom that we have and even our ability to approve it. Be back in a second. Well, that last segment was a little bit long, and so we'll uh, do a quick lightning round. Uh, today and uh, kind of talk about the same thing the uh, the Olympics in Beijing so they're uh, they're going on and uh, lots of, uh, of stuff swirling around there and uh, Denver I just uh, I, I don't find myself being real motivated to watch I haven't watched one second of it yet uh, yeah I haven't either and to be just honest I probably won't even watch it any any event um, if, for multiple reasons but it, it's just real unfortunate to hear those couple of things. Um, and I wish the United States was taking a stronger stance on this. I mean, China, with all of their flaws, you know, the human rights violations, um, just everything. Uh, it's it's just unfortunate we haven't taken a, a stronger stance. Yeah, just um, thinking back, and I, I know you'll accuse me of, of remembering this uh, uh personally but the the 1936 olympics in berlin <laughs> that uh, that hitler provided over i was not there really um, but uh i think has some really good comparisons because uh the, the the rising tide of nazism was very present for anybody with eyes to see and uh that uh, it's a, kind of the same way with china there's a lot to be concerned about right now and it seems like that's kind of being stifled in a lot of the media and stuff yeah, and you know, before we break off too early here, yeah, you know, I asked you a question earlier, and maybe it'd be good for you to articulate it for everybody here. But you know, if you were in the position as president of the United States, would you even consider, you know, boycotting the Olympics? Yeah, well, I do remember the 1970, I think it's the six Olympics, but uh, that uh, that were supposed to be in Russia that uh, Jimmy Carter decided to boycott. And at the time, um, I thought that was a wise decision because uh, just of the of the propaganda and the the things about uh, about Russia that were going on, and yet just for some reason the the politics of the time it just didn't it didn't turn out very elegantly for some reason. And you know we want to uh, so I, I don't I don't know that I would, but I I, I know that uh, I th it would be a good idea to hold up for everybody to see uh, the, the, the difference between uh, oppression and the difference between freedom, a free press and an oppressive press or a, a censored press, yeah. and to call out the human rights violations that are happening uh, all over the place um, and be able to, to, to showcase that and to use our voice, our athletes, our, our media for, for that. Yep, I agree with that one for sure. Yeah, but we're seeing uh, once again we could we could be on that for a long time about all the ways that uh, that the news media and the athletes and the other commercial advertisers are afraid to criticize anything like that because they care about their profits, 
more than they care about all of our freedom and the the freedom that has provided them all of the 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 notoriety and the money that they have to to go out and do this kind of thing so it's very shameful to me yep greed is certainly out there yeah we do you know support the athletes i mean i i love the summer olympics as much as i didn't like some of the political stuff there but some of the teams you know were so patriotic and were so respectful to the flag and you know that's that's what i think we all need to get behind uh but it's just kind of hard with the whole the whole thing happening all right, we'll be back in a second and cover the final five uh, of these conservative essential principles. Be right back. Okay, and we're back to talk about the last five of the ten conservative principles. So the sixth one uh, is private property and spirit of enterprise. And now spirit of enterprise, when we talk about that, we're saying free market principles, uh, capitalism, that type of thing. And for the most part, that works really well. Um, uh, you can see... And examples in even recent years, you know, maybe some uh, trends away from that, or even I should say, at least calls to move away from that. Most uh, easily recognized as Bernie Sanders and his opposition to uh, the capitalist society uh, and the free market, which is incredibly dangerous um, to really think about. So uh, he is in the Senate, but I guess it's better than the presidency. But Gosh. <laughs> yeah, and just to point out, pri private property uh, is all over the, the concept, all over in the Bible, and uh, you know there are certainly you know there are abuses of that from greed and uh, and and all that need to be spoken to, and it's amazing to to see some of the safeguards that were put in. Uh, by God in that, and we're not advocating for a theocracy or anything like that. But there are some there's some good guidance that that being able to have your own stuff is really important. That people can own stuff. The government should own as little as possible, and uh, should uh, we should be able to control that and be able to freely exchange that and and go with that. And so uh, just. That, that's a it may not seem like such a big thing but it is it's a really big thing when it comes to the uh, the sustaining our, our liberty they're they're pretty closely um, closely put together uh, the next one is the rule of law and that's it's that's a concept that was developed uh, and 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 yet you look at the uh, early in my uh, through the Bible in a year, I'm, I've been reading about how Moses brought down the law, the Ten Commandments from the mountain, and how just even those uh, those rules uh, to to live by uh, are important to have. It's important to have something written down so that we know that, and so we're not so much at the whim of individual leaders. And yes, there were uh, there were kings uh, that. Um, uh, that that depending on their integrity ruled with in, with integrity or uh, despotism, 
but they're the kind of written law. So transferred into today, the, uh, the the concept of the rule of law was something that developed over the uh, over the, the, the centuries and uh, was very hard hard fought for uh, in a number of ways. And that backs up uh, last week when I talked about the, the circle of governments, starting with tyranny, revolution, democracy, and anarchy, and how that has developed over the year over uh, uh, years, because uh, you know democracies were not very uh, popular. Uh, now they're more popular, and so with that rule of law, you have that. But without it, you have anarchy. So. That just kind of illustrates how important that is right there. <laughs> yeah, and just in terms of history, uh, uh, interesting that a Scottish pastor would kind of put together uh, the uh, this concept in a book he called Lex Rex, or The Law is King, uh, kind of running in the face of, that, of the period. Samuel Rutherford was his name. Uh, the um, and just kind of running into fa- in the face of the divine right of kings and the, their their claim to be able to do anything that they were above the law and that was uh, uh, a very uh, very foundational thing that our even our founders used that concept to help build our system so uh, you'll hear that talked about and the rule of law and not of men uh, very important to have that stuff written down yeah yeah um, so. On to our next point, uh, constitutionalism, uh, and just thinking about back to that with federalism, uh, I first thing that comes to mind is Thomas Jefferson, um, and uh, him being a, a, a strict constructionalist, as in terms of the Constitution. Maybe, you know, maybe not so much when he became president, but certainly uh, before that, um, what he advocated for. Uh, was that constitutionalism, by-the-book type stuff. And um, there's not too much of that today, but, yeah. Yeah, and, and it, it's interesting how uh, Thomas Jefferson, in uh, one of his quotes, and I got this in some of my research for our Constitution episode, but uh, he talks about um, tyrants being bound down by the chains of the Constitution and not being able to do anything they want, and yet, Later on, he does talk about the need for it to be flexible and changeable with the right when when the right process has been followed. So we're not talking about a fixed thing that isn't going to change, but it should like the keel on a sailboat. It needs to to be something that really helps stabilize uh, our our ship of state, so to speak. Uh, so it's not just going to blow around with the wind and and blow over according to people's feelings and the the whims of the time. Yeah. And, and that's why, I mean, it is a great uh, process to be able to amend the Constitution, and it's good that it's hard. It's hard to amend the Constitution, and that's a good thing. Uh, but having that ability to change, because the founders knew the world is going to change. So, and it certainly has, and that's why we have the many amendments um, that we have. Yeah. And why they set the bar really high for for changing that, and yeah. it's a good thing. It's just also under that, there's this, the Denver mentioned federalism, and I like the way of describing federalism is that we we are a nation of states, and uh, I think one of the things that also needs to be talked more about is how important the states are in their uniqueness, uh, and and being able to do things, the, the enumerated powers, the Tenth Amendment, anything that's not specifically enumerated in the Constitution either belongs to the people or belongs to the states. And there's been a lot of encroachment on that. And so 
that's that's uh, another matter for another day, but uh, very important for that. The um, and the the checks and balances and stuff too. So just uh, we're getting ready to wrap it up here. The the ability of self government. We talked about that um, uh, above earlier, but now just in the context of uh, what we talked about last week and uh, last episode with the the golden triangle freedom, the whole idea of virtue what it takes to build the kind of citizens that are going to be able to be free. And that's just, that's not everybody. And that's one of the things that's scary about the, um, about the way, what we see right now is that, that a lot of people in school and in, in other places, we're not talking about what it takes, the kind of character and responsibility and virtue that it takes to be free and to stay free. And so, um, uh, and yet how, how important it is to, to make, uh, good citizens and to build that character and that appreciation and remembering these principles I think is a, is a really good way to do that all of that with character and morals and all that obviously will influence your voting and I know we mentioned it before but that's just part of self-government that's how it is voting um, and so combining all those like Brian said with virtue and everything uh, educated voters to vote to get the right people in, you know, that's how to influence change, and that's the beauty of self-government. Yeah, and we're, and I think maybe right now we're seeing some of that in terms of the people speaking out in in, in school boards, and you know, we didn't talk about the trucker convoy and and things like that of of yeah. of, of, of expression like that uh, of of legitimate concern, and uh, that's that's a very good thing. Uh, our last one, real quickly, uh, we can just touch on on briefly. It's uh, independence, or just the importance of national sovereignty, and how that we as as Americans need to be able to do what we feel is right uh, for us, and not be encumbered by uh, what uh, a lot of other people say. And it's uh, it was very scary to me to see how even at the Supreme Court level, people are advocating looking at what other pe- nations' laws are to help in interpreting our laws. And uh, that's that's a pretty slippery slope, I think. It is. And it's so unfortunate that uh, when you bring this up, people will call you uh, that you're an isolationist, and that's not it at all. Uh, every nation has sovereignty, and every nation has uh, different sets of values, and and so and so what have you. So, uh, you know, we need to be able to govern the best that we can for America, uh, and you know, we have our own blueprint how we run things, and so you can't just take somebody else's ideas and implement them it could really screw things up. So, but, yeah. Yep. Not that we can't be open to, uh, to, to, to good things, but we need to filter them through our, 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 our values and the, this grid and make sure that they're going to work uh, for us and our system. We'll be back in a minute to wrap it up. Okay, we're going to wrap this segment up. 
and uh, we're glad to be able to explain some of these things, and hopefully it's kind of piqued your interest to take a look. Please look at the resources. I think they're especially good this time. There's a couple of, uh, of YouTube videos of some of these authors explaining it. Uh, there's a really good YouTube video about a World War II veteran talking about kind of passing the torch of uh, the fight for freedom along to those of us that are have, have been uh, left behind. And so hope you'll do that. And also give us some good um, uh, some good feedback. Let us know how we can help. Yeah, we've really enjoyed hearing back from everybody. And uh, so please keep that up. Please keep letting us know uh, what you think of the episodes, uh, what you enjoy, what you think could be different. And then just please uh, can share this with your friends. Uh, great way to do that is Facebook. There's a share button on all of our posts. Very easy way for you to just kind of get that out there to everybody that follows you on Facebook, and we would certainly appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, I just love uh, kind of what we touched on last week in terms of, uh, of freedom and that uh, no matter what our, our, our religious background is or our racial background or, or any of those things that could, uh, could divide us, uh, if we can unite around our appreciation and gratitude for our freedom, man, I just think that could give us uh, so much of a, uh, of a way forward just to be grateful for that and, and try to make it better for everybody that, that you know, our fellow citizens are our brothers and sisters. And we really want to try to make that happen. So in that light, uh, it's quoted a lot, but I think in this context, it, uh, it definitely bears repeating from Ronald Reagan. Here it is. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on from them to do the same, or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States when men were free. That's a powerful one, and I uh, that's kind of the whole thing with... Uh the podcast being intergenerational, you know, passing down knowledge and, uh, you know, one day that'll be my role to, to do that. So it's a yep. good reminder by Mr. And, Ronald Reagan. And I'm telling you, Denver, the becoming a grandfather gives it a whole, uh, whole new layer of, uh, of meaning. So yeah, there we go. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week. Keep up the good fight. God bless. <laughs>